You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, and I'm a Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Doing so is 100% free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. Most of all, though, we just really love and appreciate your support. Every listen you spend with us is greatly appreciated. We love and appreciate your support, and thank you so much for taking the time to sit with us and listen to us talk Jets. On tonight's podcast, I thought it would be prudent to talk about the first couple of games under Dave Lowry. We have now had two of them, one against the Washington Capitals and one against the St. Louis Blues. And uh, I'll, I'll go through the ending of the Caps game and some thoughts about what I wanted to see against the Blues, especially after the Caps game wasn't so great, and whether or not we actually saw that with how the Jets played on Sunday's game. Just a word of warning, if I do sound a little bit quieter, my my voice is a little bit uh, strained right now, so I apologize. I will try and talk as loudly and as clearly as possible, but you may notice a slight dip over the next couple of days if my voice doesn't really... Uh, improve. I'm hoping tomorrow's episode will be a little bit clearer, but for now, we're going to move on to talking about uh, Washington versus Winnipeg. If you listened to Friday's episode, you probably got the sense I wasn't super pleased with Winnipeg's effort, and it wasn't just that I felt the players were really struggling. Uh, Ultimately, I just felt like that the tactical approaches and stuff, some of the time on ice deployments, and the commitment to using like the third line as their hard matching lineup while also putting them out a ton really wasn't panning out. Most of the lineup outside of like the top line or so wasn't really generating a lot, and the Caps were kind of having a field day. I get that it was um, a day of organizational chaos. I'm sure a lot of players were, to some degree, at least a little bit surprised by the resignation of Maurice. I think if my boss had resigned and then, you know, hours later I'm expected to play a game, I don't entirely know how I would react. I think that's a pretty difficult situation, and it's a lot to ask a brand new coach who's never really been a head coach at the NHL level to try and get everyone wrangled in and uh, certainly on the same page, right? I, I didn't expect it to be perfect, but if you're not going to change a lot, then don't really take this this lineup and suddenly give like 18, 20 minutes to like Andrew Kopp, Adam Lowry, and players who are maybe in more depth roles. That second line of Connor, Dubois, and Zvechnikov played a lot less, which for me was troubling because I think that unit needs to be one of your primary offensive drivers. You can't really afford to not use them, and if they're playing less than like your third line, there's something wrong. I get that in total time on ice, you might say, well, the Jets had to kill some penalties, so Cop, Lowry, those guys get caught upon frequently, and that's fine. Um, where I, I start to get a bit concerned, though, is if you look at the 5v5 splits, and you see that the second line actually played among the least for all forwards. For game one, I get it. You're looking for some defensive stability and stuff. But I think what was really disappointing was that the Jets were playing a basically quarter to even third AHL lineup. And Winnipeg kind of got embarrassed. 
I thought the Caps were faster. They were more effective. I, I alluded to it on Friday's episode, but the Jets kind of got spanked, and that really can't happen. It's one thing if the Caps were at full strength, but they weren't. Washington was definitely operating without many key contributors. I thought Winnipeg just looked a lot slower somehow. And yes, it is completely true that Vitek Vanacek was actually pretty fantastic in net and made some unbelievable stops, but it wasn't just Vanacek that was kind of killing Winnipeg. I felt like the Jets sort of tripped over themselves. And again, it is the first game for Lowry, so I'm not going to belabor some of these points, but I, I think the biggest thing for me that was a, you know, like an early red flag were those time on ice deployments. We really can't see depth players being elevated to roles that don't suit them. Cop would be a, a, a guy that I think in the right scenario you can give second line minutes to. That would be in the, the situation where you have him with somebody like Mark Shifley or Pierre-Luc Dubois. Other than that, though, I don't really think that I'd be asking him and the entire third line to suddenly be your second line. That's just not going to work. As effective as Lowry can be against uh, pretty talented and skilled centers, it doesn't really translate all that well when you're chasing the game, you need to create offense, and you're looking for that next spark. Lowry can do some of that sometimes, but he's not really the kind of player Winnipeg wants, especially when they're chasing the game and they need a couple of goals. Going into uh, Sunday's game against the Blues, I felt that could not be a trend that continued. If it did, I was going to be deeply concerned. I know that it's seemingly a small thing when you're talking about a brand new coach, but with that kind of mindset, it gives you insight into how they're thinking about the game and what they think is important. And having like gritty, grindy, hard-hitting forwards leading your time on ice, especially at even strength, that's not good. I get that some of those guys are considered Swiss Army knives, and certainly Cop has a lot of versatility. But as a unit, like Toninato, Lowry, Cop, that's not a line that you're looking to create a lot of offense. They absolutely will chip in goals, and I'm sure the whole Lowry goal explosion last year might have made his dad think there was more to his game, that he could start giving him more shifts. But in a situation like this where you have so much talent, especially in guys like Connor and Dubois and some of those other players, there's just no reason not to turn to him. So I wanted to see those kinds of guys get more ice time. I wanted to see how Winnipeg would also elevate some of their younger, more talented players. Obviously, Gustafson went down, so that was uh, a bit of an unfortunate turn, and Gus really didn't play all that much. Um, he barely even got shifts in the game even before injury, which was, in my mind, kind of silly. But then we also lost Zvechnikov. That isn't great. Uh, Zvech obviously has had a long injury history. And Dave Lowry actually said that is expected to be a longer-term injury. So not really feeling great about that. I, I do kind of worry a bit about that. I, I didn't see um, Zvech get placed on long-term IR or anything. But I think that's usually retroactive or something. So, you know, hopefully it's not for uh, a, a few weeks. The Jets are actually on something of a break now. Now that they, uh, the last couple of games that they had before Christmas have been postponed. So I guess you could say the timing for Zvech probably came ideally so to speak i would say uh that comes with a lot of qualifications you'd prefer him just to be healthy period but if you're going to get injured it better happen right before you have a couple weeks off so uh, hopefully he's back and healthy when the season resumes i don't even know when that's going to happen but we'll talk a little bit more about that after we kind of cover the blues game and what i thought uh really worked and what didn't before talking about the blues game though i thought you should hear a little bit more about why built bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market this holiday season grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or honestly even better than your favorite candy bar built bar filled with so much holiday goodness rich with decadent flavor covered in chocolate but amazingly low in calories sugar net carbs fat 
and guilt. You get the best of both worlds because it's delicious and healthy. You have so many flavors to choose from. Are you up for raspberry or mint brownie? Maybe cherry or double chocolate? You might even be up for cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie. Don't tell your family your favorite flavor, though. You might just spark a debate at the next family dinner. Built Bars give you that extra energy you need to bust down these mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just stuck standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. Throw one in your jacket or purse because you never know when you'll need it. Make sure to tell Santa to drop a few extra Built Bars in your stocking before the holidays roll around. Whether you want to enjoy your Built Bar plain or even dip it in hot chocolate for an extra gooey flavor, it's the perfect holiday treat. Go to Built.com and be sure to use promo code LOCKED15 at checkout and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. As we discussed earlier, I wanted to talk about Winnipeg versus St. Louis, which was uh, Dave Lowry's second game in charge and certainly a bit of a departure from the first game against the Caps. This game, I thought the Jets actually played pretty okay. Uh, In some periods, I thought they were actually pretty good. But I will admit that the first period didn't exactly leave me with the warm fuzzies. You know that thing that I said Lowry had a tendency to do by playing his son's line a little bit too much? Well, the Lowry line again paved the way at 5v5 evens for forwards, which for me just doesn't really work. If the Jets had three really effective scoring lines and they wanted to split them up pretty evenly, that's one thing, right? 2017-2018, the Jets could kind of do that. This team, though, isn't really that team. Winnipeg has two really good scoring lines and then an okay third checking line that can do some defensive work, but, you know, at times kind of gets run over, and then a fourth line that definitely exists. Tonight, though, the Jets were without several forwards. Zvechnikov was injured. Um, Veselainen had to get promoted. Wheeler, of course, is out. We've had some injuries on the back end, like Schmidt, who is currently out. So obviously, you know, with Gustafson also missing from the last game, it was going to be a bit of a makeshift unit, and even still... You know, I I saw some arguments that, well, we can't judge this lineup yet. It's not fair to get mad about uh, the Lowry line playing so much. And I I think my counter argument there is that if you're going to play your top six and your third line about even, you have to make sure that you're getting the most out of that, the, the top couple of lines, especially the units that produce most of your offense. If KFC and Pierre-Luc Dubois and Ehlers are playing less than Lowry, then there's a serious issue. And I don't care who's coaching, this would be consistent if it was Maurice, if it was Bruce Boudreaux, or if it was, in this case, Dave Lowry. That third line can be used occasionally as like your defensive unit or just as something to sort of rest the top six, but you really need to lean on some of your top players. If you don't let Shifley, Ehlers, Connor, Dubois... Zvechnikov, Veselainen, and all of the other really talented attackers, you know, feast on weaker opposition and teams that they should be scoring loads against, you just aren't going to win many games. And I, I think Lowry at some point recognized that because after that first period, the deployments drastically changed and for the better. By the end of the night, the, the third line had played something like 10 or 11 even strength minutes, which is a lot more manageable. Shifley's unit was leading the way. Ehlers had played a decent amount. And wouldn't you know it, the Jets ended up winning like 4-2. And guess who actually performed really well? Ehlers, Shifley, uh, Veselainen to an extent, Connor, Dubois, a lot of the typical names that you would expect if you're looking for guys who are your talented star playmakers and uh, your general overall creators. There were some players who struggled a bit, and you could kind of see that with um, Lowry and Cop's performances. I don't think that they were amazing, but I feel like Dave seemingly recognized 
some of the stuff that I was pointing out and made those adjustments. Once Lowry kind of turned to his top six and let them breathe a bit, I, I think the game totally changed. Winnipeg started taking control, and that's more of what we should see. I know that this lineup is definitely ramshackle, and you will need to distribute minutes a little bit more evenly, but you really don't want your third line being, you know, your, your supposed offensive catalyst when it takes away minutes from the, the top players that are really special for this team. Mark Shifley and Ehlers together were so much more effective, uh, and I think it's a good reason of, of showing the very simple concept of letting your most talented players play with each other and also play the most. You really don't want to run even lines if you don't quite have the scoring impact in the depth units, which for the Jets is kind of a problem right now, especially with injuries. But it, it wasn't even that great uh, before when we had everyone here. For years, this has been an issue and it hasn't really improved. So I, I think I don't want to say it's it's like a total change and I don't want to like give a lot of credit yet just because I feel like it is just the first couple of games. We need to wait to go either way on, on how we critique things, but I think Lowry did actually make the adjustment here, so if that's the case, I think he did the right thing and he made a good decision. It's just a little bit bad that, you know, this is kind of the level of, of praise that we heap upon Winnipeg's coaching staff over the years because we're so used to things being very suboptimal. One other thing I did notice was that the penalty kill actually looked a little bit more aggressive. It wasn't perfect and it still gave up some really nasty chances, but there were some PKs that I thought the Jets actually looked pretty good, and one of them created a shorthanded two-on-one chance. It was uh, ultimately led by Brendan Dillon, which, you know, he's not exactly the world's most effective goal scorer. He may have scored against the Caps, but that one was more fluky than anything, right? All that said, though, it is good to see that the Jets are capable of doing that. I think the lack of aggression and the passiveness on the PK has been a sore spot for many, many years now. So it's nice to see the team kind of get up in the play, attack uh, puck carriers and close down that space, and really put pressure on power play units to make the perfect pass and make the perfect shot. If the Jets can do more of that, I think they're going to concede way less and hopefully give Hellebuck some support because right now he's often on an island on the PK and that's not really sustainable. While the PK did look more aggressive, I'm not sure how much else has been, you know, a significant change from the Paul Maurice era. I just think the line combinations and some of the time on ice deployments were a little bit more favorable this time around and it would be very wise for Dave to trust his top offensive talents. I know that Shifley, still for a lot of people, myself included, hasn't really been at his best. I think that's clear, and uh, it definitely was apparent when he was with Wheeler. And now that he's away from Blake and is playing with guys like Ehlers, he looks more like himself, and I think that's really indicative of why we were asking for Blake to move to a different line. Part of the whole line combination issue previously was that some of the best offensive talent on this team was kind of being submarined with really bad uh, lineup choices and certainly some deployments that didn't really make sense. But when you correctly pair players together in, uh, I, I would say, more synergistic uh, partnerships and stuff, I think you'll see much better rewards, and in Winnipeg's case, they'll actually score goals. Even Stastny was getting in on the action with a nice little brace thanks to Ehlers and Shifley helping to feed him. Overall, I just felt like this was a pretty good performance from the top couple of lines. This was one of Shifley's better games this season. He's had a couple of uh, games where he stood out, but usually for the wrong reasons. This one was a very positive performance, and hopefully it continues if Lowry keeps turning to him. Overall, I think that there were some decent signs of progress here in just the second game, and hopefully the time on ice trends that we saw changing uh, continue for the better. 
But uh, the Jets now have a couple of days off. Well, I, I say a couple, but it's more like a couple of weeks off because some of their games have been postponed. And I'll talk about why these games are, are getting tabled and whether or not the season itself might be at risk in just a little bit. But before that, I thought you should hear a little bit about why BetOnline.ag should be the only place to do your online betting during this holiday season. BetOnline has you covered all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Not into football? No problem, because BetOnline has you covered for all of the other sports action you could possibly want. It should be your number one destination for all your online betting needs. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Whether you want to play some bets on a Baltimore Ravens game, or you're more interested in who might be your standout scorer from the next Winnipeg Jets outing, BetOnline should be the only place you place your online bets on that next hotly anticipated game. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action, so don't hesitate to sign up today for a free account, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Hello friends, welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight with some thoughts on Winnipeg's postponements. Obviously the next couple of games, one of which was against Dallas and a, uh, I believe another US-based team. Both of those games have been postponed for the time being. I think one of them was against Nashville, but uh, with the cross-border travel that is now being closed down until after Christmas, it does seem like it's going to be a while before the Jets are back in the U.S. I think a lot's going to change over the next few weeks. Um, obviously, the COVID crisis the league is dealing with right now has led to a lot of schedule changes. Many games have been postponed. Just today, there were you know only eight games scheduled for today, right? And half of them had to be postponed already. So it's not been a banner year for the league. And I think longer term, the season is going to be a bit strange. I don't think they're going to cancel it, but I wouldn't be shocked to see it get shortened. I think a lot is going to have to happen for this to actually finish out the way um, people would like it to be. So many teams have played shorthanded. You know, on top of injuries, you've got guys going into COVID protocol. And then the teams that you would call up players from are also going through protocols themselves. And uh, it just seems like a whole huge mess. I don't think the league was really prepared for this to be as widespread as it is. But now that it's here, you know, so many teams are kind of screwed. And the Jets are, are definitely not exempt. I don't know what Winnipeg is going to do over the next few weeks. But for the time being, that time off does mean the Jets can practice more. So for Winnipeg, this might actually be beneficial. Uh, some time off to kind of get used to Dave Lowry and start implementing any systems changes is definitely a welcome one. It just sucks that these circumstances are so terrible and the reasoning for all of this happening is because COVID is just running rampant through the league. And I've seen some players complaining about it. I know Hellebuck was like, you know, I don't want to go back to all of this COVID protocol stuff, but I think players need to understand it's not so much the vaccinated players that would really be at risk. It's everyone around them who is either unvaccinated or maybe vaccinated but has prior medical conditions or existing risks. If they transmit the virus unknowingly and they're asymptomatic, they could seriously endanger the lives of people around them and never even know it. So that's like the primary thing. I think, you know, players who get upset about daily testing need to think more about people around them that they may be coming into contact with without realizing any of them are at risk. You know, it's not just about the NHLers or the staff. It's about the people they're around, whether it's grocery store workers, people at establishments that are working there, service industry folks. I mean, it it has such wide-ranging implications, and I think for Hellebuck to say what he did, 
I didn't really appreciate that. I, I feel like this is a time to treat it with some sensitivity. You can't be thanking healthcare workers for all of this stuff and then get mad that the league might do daily testing again. It just doesn't really work that way. The daily testing is supposed to help reduce the odds of, of anyone getting hospitalized and putting further strains on healthcare systems that are already overworked. So so just, you know, think about the, the broader community and how COVID has impacted that and maybe this whole shift back to protocols will make a little bit more sense and even seem like a good idea. I think a lot of players need to approach it with that lens and not just think that, you know, we're entering restrictions again. There's a lot of really valid reasons as to why this stuff is going to have to happen. And I think pretending that it's not a problem or that it's just going to go away somehow is definitely not the way to go about it. We don't even know what the impacts for vaccinated players are. We can't really tell yet if they even have health impacts or if not. I mean, it'd be nice if they didn't, but we don't really know for sure. So obviously there's a lot of research that has to go on. And I think at some point the league is going to have to figure out if they can even continue the season as normal. It definitely seems like the Olympics are off, though. That much is for sure. I thought that was inevitable. It sounds like from all the rumors that are circulating, it's going to be announced soon. So I would expect no NHL at the Olympics. And honestly, I'm pretty okay with that. I think there are some pretty valid ethical concerns on top of the COVID uh, policies and restrictions that make it a real risk. So I'd prefer the league to stay in, in North America this time. It really sucks. But if we get a World Cup of Hockey afterwards, I think a lot of people would accept that as a reasonable substitute. Let me know how you feel about the league staying away from the Olympics. Share your thoughts on Twitter with me at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to do it. Thanks for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. On our next episode, we probably will have some more Advent calendar stuff and maybe some holiday Jets-themed content as we start to go towards Christmas this week. For tonight's show, though, that is going to do it. Be sure to make your second listen Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, so don't forget to follow and subscribe today. And as always, thank you for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.